I greet you in Lord's holy name. Once again, God has enabled us to meet together like this for our Bible study fellowship. Um, I'm requesting uh, dear Janusha from Nagarkoil EU to lead us in prayer that God will minister to us as you are going to study the book of uh, Amos. Janusha? Uncle, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Janusha. Okay. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you for adding one more day in our lives, Lord. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to learn your word, even during this time of crisis, Lord. As we look around us, we see a lot of people suffering, Lord. But we, as your children, we are enjoying the fellowship and we are, you know, we can learn your word. Thank you for you know, giving us this opportunity, Lord. Lord, we commit ourselves into your hands, Lord. Lord, we ask you to use us, Lord, as you used Amos the shepherd. We ask you to use ordinary people like us in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, minister to us as we start this new book, Lord. Lord, we put Billy Uncle into your hands, Lord. You speak to us through Billy Uncle. Lord, enable each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, also thank you for healing Vinodana and, you know, enabling him to attend this Bible study today. So we thank you and we praise you for all the good things you have done, Lord. Lord, help us to lead a just life, just and righteous life, just like you are, Father. Help us to follow your way in everything we do. Lord, we commit ourselves into your mighty hands, Lord. Help us and use us in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, very much, uh, dear Janusha, for this lovely prayer. I'm so happy that uh, Vinod could join. And uh, welcome back, Vinod. We were praying for you. <clears throat> I'm so thankful to God for this uh, uh, privilege of studying God's word along with you. And I have to thank each one of you for your keen interest in studying God's word. That uh, gives me a great encouragement. And with all fear and trembling, I'm taking this book of Amos. I know it as a powerful message. As I was preparing, I don't want to put the situations in Tamil Nadu and in India and in the world to into the God's word. Rather, I want to see that uh, the message of Amos will come to us afresh. Even in this morning, I got a powerful uh, message from one of our participants, Basundar from Belur. Right now, he is in States. He has mentioned about uh, the uh, social justice. As he, come to know, uh, as he has come to know that we are studying Amos, he has just mentioned that uh, saying from a theological uh, professor in states talking about it. People talk about social justice in these days very much, right from Tamil Nadu to everywhere, wherever we go. We were very much uh, uh, wondering about the incidents happening in the uh, society around. But we need to have a biblical worldview about uh, the injustice happening around. And we need to respond biblically. That's a concern we have. Amos is supposed to be the first prophet, the one who has written the prophetical writing. That's what many Bible scholars believe. Some of them 
believe that maybe Joel and Jonah might have uh, been the earlier prophets than Amos. But uh, most of the Bible scholars believe Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. These are the four prophetical books. Very confidently, we can say that uh, they were the order in the 8th century. Already we looked at uh, the other prophetical books in our Bible study series. <coughs> we looked at uh, Micah as uh, the 8th century prophet, Habakkuk as a 6th century prophet, and Haggai as uh, the post-exilic prophet. Last week we studied the book of Obadiah also. Today we are going back to the 8th century prophet. As we have seen earlier, though there were times uh, uh, prophets are raised right after Samuel's time. There are many, many prophets that were there. And there were teams of prophets. A group of people were known as prophets. Elijah and Elisha, they were the prophets, but they didn't write any prophetical books as such. But Amos is the one who took initiative to uh, write down the prophetical writings. In that way, the book of Amos is very important. Definitely after him only, Hosea and Isaiah has written their prophetical writings. Who is this Amos? We clearly uh, hear about him in this book. There are many things we can easily find out from this book, if you'll read it carefully. But his name means burden. We do not know whether uh, he was born uh, as a child was burden to the family. You remember Jabez, we read from First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Jabez's mother was telling, I have given him birth in pain. So let me name him as Jabez. Jabez means pain. So one commentator say it could be possible in the family, they might have uh, considered him as a burden. But uh, more than that, he was a passionate person. We, can, we don't know anything about his parents, but definitely the burden of the Lord was on his heart. That also could be one reason, but almost means burden. And uh, the town where he lived is a small one, very near to Bethlehem, five miles away from Bethlehem. That means it's the southern part of the kingdom. We all know that uh, after uh, Solomon's time, the northern kingdom was known as Israel and southern kingdom was known as Judah. Generally, the kings of Judah are better than the kings of uh, northern kingdom, Israel. And here we see that Amos was grown in a southern kingdom, very near to Bethlehem, where Ruth and Boaz had a great impact in the society. Chapter 1, verse 1 says that uh, he was uh, definitely a shepherd and also taking care of the farming. In chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, uh, we read that uh, very interesting passage. When the high priest approached him and uh, told him, I'll read for you, almost 7th chapter, uh, verse uh, 12 goes like this. Then Amasya, the high priest, said to Amos, Get out, you see it, 
go back to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Don't do it in north. Go back to south. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Verse 14, Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I was just uh, took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go and uh, prophesy to my people Israel. <coughs> so very clearly we know that uh, he was a shepherd and also he was a farmer. And uh, he was a committed, a sincere worker. But God has called him out from his uh, routine work. Then God has sent him not only to preach to his own people in that area, even to go for a cross-culture situation, to go to the northern kingdom. Though he went to northern kingdom to preach, chapter 3 verse 1 says very clearly, hear this word, people of Israel, the word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the host, against the whole family I bought up out of Egypt. That means both the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. First two chapters talk about various warnings and judgments. And chapter 3 starts with a message. And verse 1 says very clearly that uh, it is for the whole house of Jacob. In that way, uh, he was not only a prophet to Israel, he ministered to people in Judah. Just now we read chapter 7. Uh, there we see that uh, he was uh, a minister to the northern kingdom and the main sanctuary is at Bethel. So this is one message I really wanted uh, for us to consider. The person as almost is a big testimony for us. All of us may not be like almost going for a cross-cultural ministerial work. All of us may not be a, a, some an ordinary background becoming a, a prophetical voice or prophetical movement or prophetical uh, um, message we have. But definitely, as Janusha prayed rightly, all of us are supposed to be the witnesses for Christ and God has kept a purpose in us. I said amen to the prayer because she said rightly that everyone has a mission to fulfill. It is not only the cross-cultural missionaries or not only the full-time workers. Everybody has a mission to fulfill that we need to learn as a motivational factor from Amos. The context of Amos or the time of Amos is very important to note because when you're going to look at maybe from tomorrow onwards the content of the book, definitely this background will be very helpful to us. In Chronicle chapter 26, where we read about King Uzziah, in this book clearly mentions that uh, Amos got a vision when uh, Uzziah, the king of Judah, and Zerubbabel, son of uh, Sohais, the king of Israel, were there, he got that vision. And there we see that uh, King of Uz uh, Uzziah was a very good king. 
and he led a very good life and he was leading the people of Judah in a right way and Amos was part of that uh, citizen. But unfortunately, something has gone wrong with Uzziah. Instead of uh, allowing the priest to go inside the temple and to offer the sacri uh, sacrifices, offer offering, he himself went and he wanted to do the work of the priest. My friends, in Old Testament, God had a clear-cut roles and responsibilities for these three people. That's what the Old Testament role and responsibility of the full-time workers. Uh, some people are prophets, like Amos and others. They are supposed to stand between God and man. They take the message from God and pass it on to the people. Priests are also like uh, prophets, but they are the people, they stand between man and God. There's a slight difference. The priests take the offerings and uh, the petitions from people and go back to God. Prophets are other way around. They are coming from God and passing on to people. So priests, they had a clear-cut role to play. And kings, in Old Testament time, they are very important people. Right after uh, judges, we know that Solomon has raised kings so that they have a role to play. When the king is bad, people suffer. And when the king was good and people were flourishing. My brothers and sisters, even today, we know that uh, wherever we know uh, the king is good, otherwise the ruler is good. Either it could be your own department, or it could be your college, it could be your uh, neighborhood, it could be your church for that matter, it could be your organization. When the leaders are good, naturally the blessings flow like that to the people. So we need to really pray for the leaders. That's what Paul told Timothy, pray for the leaders, bring petition, plead to God. Uh, even in our, my own state, in, my, in our country, all over the world, leadership crisis is a big, big thing. We need to pray that people who are fearing God, people respect God, people wanted to fulfill the plan and purposes of God should be in leadership position, both in the church and also in the society. And during that time, Amos was uh, started prophesying. He knew who was that good king and he was grown up. And uh, secondly, we read that there was an earthquake right in first chapter, verse, verse one itself, we see that there was an earthquake. After that, Amos preached. Some commentators say very clearly that was a punishment of God because King Uzziah deliberately did sin against God. And that's one thing we are going to look at in these days about judgment. Sometimes God's judgment come like that. The wrath of God comes upon people in the church, in the society, when they do mistakes. When the leaders do blunder mistakes, people suffer like anything. Judgment comes immediately. That's one thing uh, we see that earthquake has happened. But very interesting fact is, Almost 250 years later, Zachariah, he is a post-exilic prophet. He prophesied 
and said, uh, quoting this one, uh, King Uzziah's time, it was highlighted. Let me read for you, Zachariah chapter 14, verse 5. You will flee by the mountain's valley, for it will extend to Axel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Very clearly mentioned. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. 200, 250 years later, he is mentioning what Amos is mentioning in chapter 1, verse 1. What a historical fact it is. Third one, the people of Israel were blessed during the King Zerubbabel too. He was a good king and he was a powerful king and they enjoyed every success and blessing in that uh, time. During that time, God sent Amos to preach God's word. That leads us to an important point. Along with the nation's prosperity had come religious perversion. My dear brothers and sisters, when you look at the context, you need to make note of it. Nothing wrong to be rich. Nothing wrong to be prosperous. But we need to be careful when God is blessing us in all prosperity. The nation was in prosperity, but uh, religiously they were uh, gone. They, they got uh, perverted thinking about God and they don't need God, that type of a feeling. And they just celebrate festivals and they just wanted to follow some of the uh, sayings just like that. And they don't have uh, anything to do with uh, their personal relationship with God. It is a warning for all of us. Even uh, in these days, I know some, for some of you, that's the biggest challenge. To go and minister to a church which is uh, filled with rich people. And uh, people who are prosperous, they don't need anything. They need uh, just a comfort and they want some sort of a satisfaction. Two hours they are giving for God on every Sunday. So as a pastor, don't disturb them. That's the way they expect you to preach. And if you are called to be a special preacher, people wanted, don't want to hear a message uh, of warning. So that shows that almost at a tough time, to minister to the people who are very prosperous and religious, but they are not faithful people. But when you look at the main message of Amos, we know that uh, every commentator say that Amos chapter 5 verse 24 should be the uh, key verse. And uh, when you look at the whole book in these days, next three days as we are going to study this book, we are going to look at it. The social justice. It is not a personal, pe uh, personally people make a sin and commit a, a sinful acts before God. It is a corporate, in different groups, as a corporate, they do uh, involve <coughs> sinful acts. And society is corrupt, that we are going to look at a little later. And in that context, almost says, but let justice um, roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. What a beautiful verse. Let, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness 
like a never failing stream. My dear brothers and sisters, this should be our prayer and this should be our longing when we look around our own campuses, our own neighborhood, our own church, where injustice is growing. We need to pray that God will be gracious to uh, touch us, touch our groups, touch our leaders, so that justice will roll on like a river. Righteousness will uh, like a never failing stream. Almost had this dream, almost had this message. I told you that this morning, uh, Sundar has sent me this message. There's an article about this uh, pastor and a theologian, Dr. Becham. And uh, you can see his articles uh, in YouTube. And uh, he's basically an African, but in America. And uh, he talks about the things happening around. And one of the statements it's making is, social justice is not same as biblical justice. What he means to say is uh, that um, uh, in the society, people feel bad after something has happened. And uh, even in America, what has happened, we all know that a man who is black was attacked ruthlessly. George uh, Floyd, that became an international news. Uh, same thing happened in Tamil Nadu. Two of the Christian friends were uh, uh, beaten up and then they, they were, uh, they died very pathetically. That became a world level news, international level news. So when we see these things, of, things are happening around and uh, people confess and people come out. You might have seen some of the uh, white people, they went and knelt down and felt sorry to people around those who are black. Uh, is it enough? Or it should be more than that. The biblical justice talk about the right relationship with God. That is important. After something has happened, feeling sorry is not enough. It should be more than that. The righteousness is the right relationship with God. We need to pray that uh, our nation, our own churches, will have such a righteousness. Quickly, uh, I have to tell you, there are four different ways of the uh, word justice used, used here. The root word in Hebrew, uh, as I said earlier, I am not very keen on Hebrew and Greek. I am not good at also. But when I just checked, they say it is, there are four. One is the right rule. Under God, the society should be uh, ruled by that. That's what uh, we read in uh, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Justice should be there as a rule. Righteousness is a verb. It's uh, talk about be upright. The right relationship with God. That also is mentioned here in this book. My dear brothers and sisters, uh, even Jesus said we need to uh, thirst for righteousness. And Jesus said, your righteousness should be far better than the righteousness of the Pharisees. They are very good people and they have disciplines. They thought they are very close to God and then they are really great people. But Jesus said, your righteousness should be far better than the righteousness of the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 17. So the right relationship should be the longing for all of us. And uh, I really like uh, uh, C.B. Samuel of Delhi gives this very simple example, but very powerful. When I heard it, uh, I wanted to uh, keep it for myself in a different context. A young boy with all enthusiasm is going in a two-wheeler. And in the road, he sees that uh, the signal is right, uh, red. And he knew very well that he has to stop. But he just looked around and he didn't see any police around. Then he went fast. Then after reaching the room, to the roommate, he proudly said, they, this uh, evening, when I was coming in the uh, road, there was a signal was red and in a very smart way, I just escaped everybody and I could reach. But C.B. Samuel says that is definitely his heart is not about righteousness. He is not longing for righteousness. It is possible that by mistake, we can cross uh, some uh, rule like a, a, in the red, you didn't realize it and you, you didn't look for police and all. By mistake, you have crossed. You need to feel bad that you have done something wrong. And after going to your roommate, you should feel ashamed. But when you're so proud in saying that you have done something great, that shows that you're not longing for righteousness. Take it in your own context. All of us have some experience like that. Do you do something wrong? We know in our feeling that it's wrong, but boldly, we are proud about it. That means, as Jesus said, we are not thirsty for righteousness. Okay, let's go forward. Judgment in terms of legal issues, that should be the uh, righteousness should come. Lastly, the contention. Otherwise, uh, the word is more of a pleading for a case. There also the righteousness should come. These are some of the four aspects uh, which uh, is highlighted in the book of Amos. It is not in one way, in different perspective, we need to look at righteousness and justice. The word is coming. The broad outline of the book of Amos, <clears throat> uh, there could be different options. Let me give you a very simple one. First two, verse, uh, two chapters talk about there are eight judgment, the nations. On eight nations, the judgment comes. Easy to remember, eight nations. Chapter one to eight. Second uh, paragraph, that is chapter three onwards, chapters three to six, talks about three messages of judgment. Then last paragraph, chapters seven to nine, three chapters, talk about visions. There are five clear-cut visions, almost got it. It's part of the judgment. So eight judgments, three messages, and five visions. That's the way we can divide. Of course, uh, if we can want to have a larger uh, extended uh, outline, the last five verses in chapter nine is a very powerful message. Today, I wanted to close with that only. Normally, we think that Amos is a tremendous, uh, uh, like fearful uh, uh, judgment uh, on social justice. 
but in a classical way, almost the last five verses are closed. So part of the vision, God gives a beautiful message for all of us to be excited. So last five verses, I can put it separately. Other than that, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, could be part of the judgment also. The part of message could come from chapter 3, verse 8 onwards. But for our convenience, I like to say, 8 judgments, 3 messages, and 5 visions. What are the 8 nations? Uh, very clearly it is mentioned. Syria is the first one. And immediately the capital city's name is mentioned, Damascus. Because when you read the passage, we are not going to read the whole passage now. When we read the passage, we see that uh, the capitals are mentioned. God is very unhappy with the capital. Even now, when we mention New Delhi, it's not that we are talking about Delhi. It's talking about India. When we say Colombo, it's about Sri Lanka, like that. So say exactly, when it's mentioned about Damascus, it is Syria and uh, other uh, uh, five nations we can see that around Israel these six nations were around look at uh, in between that uh, Jordan River and uh, left side of Jordan River southern portion is known as Judah and the northern portion is Israel around them all these six nations are there Look at that. The six nations are uh, mentioned first, then Judah and Israel are mentioned. Uh, you know that uh, Amos is so much concerned about Israel, the northern kingdom. He is warning them. And 40 years later, in 722, uh, it was uh, taken by Assyrians. And northern kingdom got the message and include. He includes the southern kingdom also, but uh, very clearly God's judgment on six nations come first. Very briefly, maybe two verses or uh, three or four verses maximum. And then he brings Judah as an example for within the judgment comes. Lastly, Amos takes the people of Israel to be warned. Even this evening, uh, I just uh, want us to briefly read that passage. Before that, uh, let me give the other two outlines. Chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, that we can see that. Three messages. Judgment of the chosen people. Chapter 3. Judgment on the unimportant people. Chapter 4. Judgment on the unjust people. Chapters 5 and 6. These are the messages clearly come uh, from uh, Amos the, to these uh, people who are chosen but faithful, unfaithful and uh, they are unrepentant and unjust. And there are five visions we are going to look at a uh, little later. Chapter 5, uh, sorry, chapter 7, 8, 9 talks about it. Chapter 7 has three uh, visions. Plumb line, great fire, and locust plague. Chapter 8 talks about uh, a basket of summer fruit. And last chapter, verse 1 to 10, we can see that uh, the Lord at the altar. 
clearly almost could have the five five visions and the ninth chapter talks about the vision he had when lord was at the altar this are the uh, quick outline of this book eight uh, judgments and three messages and five visions with that you can develop and you can uh, study in the days to come we are going to look at the passages but today we are i requested uh, sister uh, uh washa she is a second year msc horticulture there are many agricultural students horticulture students and graduates are here in our bible study i am excited as i am contacting some of them i am excited that uh, uh, even some friends from non christian background they are here so in that way i felt that this week this uh, agricultural students can read the passage for us they all can remember almost very closely okay uh, sister vasa she is from chatisgarh raipur she is going to read the passage for us she is ready last week she could not read and she is ready now uh, vasa yes brother am i audible brother yes you are audible yes vasa yes brother reading from book of amos chapter 2 verse 9 to 16 yet i destroyed the amorites before them though they were tall as the cedars and strong as the oaks i destroyed their fruit above and their roots below i brought you up out of egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to give you the land of amorites I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from among your youths Is this not true people of Israel declares the Lord But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy Now then I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain the swift will not escape the strong will not muster their strength and the warrior will not save his life the archer will not stand his ground the fleet-footed soldier will not get away and the horseman will not save his life even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day declares the lord thank you so much sasha varsha for that lovely reading i really appreciate that there are uh, different uh, type of sins uh, people have uh, done against god's people and um, he god keeps those uh, judgmental statement about all these eight nations then this passage comes verse 9 i like that little word yet yet what a powerful word it is after mentioning the judgment about eight nations including the people of israel he says yet i also raised up prophets from among your children and nazarites from among your youths is that true people of israel declares the lord okay god has destroyed the people around god has brought them out from egypt 
and God has raised prophets among them. These are the great things God has done to the people of Israel. And now he's asking, is it not true, people of Israel? My dear brothers and sisters, even in this evening, to all of us, God can ask the same question. Is it not true in your life? What all the things I have done for you? You lived a very pathetic life, yet I, ex ex I destroyed all the evil in you and I brought you into the fold. I have brought you out of bondage, Egypt, and you are delivered. And I have given you spiritual gifts and talents in our personal life and in our ministerial life, in our family life. God has given many, many blessings. So verses 9 to 11 talks about such a great God we have. And these are the excellent things God has done. Where do we read that? After hearing all the judgment about the different sins people have done against God in these eight nations. Verse 12, I'm going to going back to the sins a little later. Before that, we will see this passage, what uh, so, so Varsha has read for us. Look at verse 12. That passage starts with another little word, but powerful uh, word, but. But. It's a very bad but. God said, with all these bad things, yet I have de delivered you. Here we see that, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. What a pathetic condition of God's people. They deliberately, deliberately did things against God. They didn't like to hear God's word. How true it is, even in our times. But, but, then uh, verse 13 onwards, as we just now heard, now then I will crush you. And then uh, what he says is they are using very, very strong words. The whole passage starts with uh, a noun. A noun. The shift, the people who can run fast, cannot escape. The strong people will not muster their strength. The warrior cannot save his life. The archer, the flesh-footed soldier, the horseman. Then lastly, even the bravest warriors, okay, even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day. When God's judgment come, this is a way people think that they have money. People think that they can be, go fast. People think that they are wise. They, people think that uh, they are very strong, will, will not do anything. They cannot do anything and God will punish them. That's a message we hear after giving the judgment on the eight nations. Let's uh, look at quickly the passage. It starts from verse uh, uh, 1 in verse uh, chapter 1. It says, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Deco, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah 
was king of Judah, and Zerubbabel, son of Jehaz, was a king of Israel. Very clearly, historically, it's mentioned. So, even uh, as we look at our own times, I told you whenever you study the prophetical books, we need to remember God is interested in history. We don't need to just build up a history. God is in history. In fact, history is his story. God's history. And we are all part of God's history. And definitely, if the Lord's coming is going to be delayed, people are going to look back uh, uh, 2020 as a, a terrific year of coronavirus. And we do not know what other things are going to happen in the days to come. So the earthquake, yesterday I was in a worship service and the preacher was remembering 2004 tsunami. And then he could clearly talk about it. It has happened on 26th of December and on January he preached in a meeting where God is in this type of natural calamities. So we all remember that day, 26 December 2004, was a tsunami has completely made all of us to be afraid and to think what's going to happen. That's what it says, even in Odisha, uh, what has happened. In Gujarat, the earthquake, like that, there are many, many uh, examples we can go on with historical events happening. Exactly, Amos, a first prophet who can also clearly see a vision uh, concerning Israel two years before the earthquake. Right, after that, uh, paragraphs talks about nations. Uh, look at uh, uh, words which are mentioned about each word. Damascus. And uh, because she thrashed Gilgad with sledges having iron teeth. Harashing. That is a uh, 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 it's a tremendous way of uh, a people put harassing others. Like that, one by one, when I go, I can mention these words. Injustice done to them. Really, physical attack. And they, though, though they are very close in a community living, they were breaking the covenant. Look at all these four things. Uh, even as students, you might have experienced the same things in your campuses against the Christian values when you lead a life as a Christian. At home, in the campus, in your workplace, in the society, you could face such challenges. People involved in sins against God and his people. Who is doing behind it? We know devil. Devil is not at all happy with uh, the Christian values, the kingdom values. And he will try all his best to do it. <coughs> if I have to add some more words, discrimination, very true. 
in our context you are discriminated because you are a christian because you are a believer not only discrimination from non christians even among the christians it can happen and uh, the cruel crime i mentioned is uh, in the last paragraph of of almost first chapter this is what the lord says i'm reading verse 13 for the three three sins of amon even for four i will not relent because he ripped open the pregnant women of gilad in order to extend his borders look at that what a pathetic uh, uh, sinful act just to extend his borders he didn't like to see that new generation will come out they didn't like people to uh, give birth they literally ripped open the pregnant women this is the condition of the people of almost time how true it is when we look at uh, george uh, floyd in states when we look at these two brothers in southern part of tamil nadu and when we look at the condition the crimes cruelty a 7 year old girl near trichy was raped and killed just last week what a pathetic pathetic society we are living in cruel crimes some of them just for the pleasure and just for their uh, their own sake they are doing it and uh, here here we read that in order to extend his borders for greed they have done cruel crimes my brothers and sisters our heart pains when we hear such stories sometimes we are not in a position to watch the tv sometimes i am not in a position to hear such news it burns my heart but the thing is devil is so cunning devil is so mighty in doing things to that level he uh, makes a heart of the people cruel cruel like a the way in which they handle chicken and the way in which they handle uh, uh, prepare mutton they do it for people rip uh, open the pregnant women my brothers and sisters it is not the end we this is the beginning of the uh, judgment or god is angry with this god says i am going to punish you like anything that's what he says the judgment of god is going to come but when you look at the people uh, of juda they are supposed to be god's people look at the crime god is talking about in chapter 2 he talks about uh, uh, the unfaithfulness or rejecting the word of god then uh, verse 4 this is what the lord says for three sins of judah even for four i will not relent because they have rejected the law of the lord and have not kept his decrees of course i just read it 
casually but uh, when you look at the depth of it that one is so serious they rejected the word of god what does it mean it means like exactly like adam and eve when devil came to them and said did really god say yes they rejected god's word they deliberately did the sin against god now the people of god are tempted that way even jesus was tempted like that if you are the son of man and god's word says this if so my brothers and sisters if we can reject god's word we'll be punished we may not have the cruel crime like just previous passage we read we may not be injustice we may not be doing injustice but look at the problem within god's people hardened their hearts they deliberately disobeyed god so when i look at the all eight nations uh, the seven nations around uh, israel these are the real challenges within they have difficulties from outside tremendous uh, pressure comes these are different types of sins against god's people and god in his mercy was helpful to the people of israel that they can rejoice in the lord because of the restoration god is making but the punishment is very clear the judgment is very clear as you are going to look at from chapter 3 onwards we are going to look at that part i just wanted to highlight uh, these other things maybe in the next 3 days when you are going to study we'll be looking at it in detail first one as i started the messenger amos called by god commissioned by god he had a conviction he was courageous person and he was simple he said i am a shepherd i am not a prophet and even i am not a uh, from that line prophetical background there are many prophetical people are there but i am not like that but god called me my brothers and sisters as we started this meeting with a prayer god should give us such a conviction that all of us should be like amos be sure of our calling in our life we may not cross our culture and go and do but whatever you speak as a messenger of god you need to have conviction if god calls to go for cross culture work i challenge you amos is a great role model for us instead of enjoying his farming instead of enjoying his shepherd work he obeyed god and went to a, a rich place nowadays some of us are not ready to go to cities the urban mission is not there almost to some extent i would say he went from the rural went to the urban this is one of the challenges we have right now young people to consider going to the cities and reach out the rich people influential people almost was like that second one the social justice 
and judgment of God. Sometimes it can happen immediately. Sometimes it can happen in near future. And definitely it's going to happen later. Even when we hear some of the injustice happening in the society, all of us wish to see that immediately whether God can come and do something here. Sometimes foolishly, I think in that way. Immediately God should do something so that God's name can be glorified. But I need to patiently wait. A day will come. God will punish all those who are doing injustice. That's the conviction we have. Let me close with this beautiful thought. Chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 talks about in that day, he talks about the future. I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins. And they will rebuild it and it's uh, used to be. So that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations, underline that, all the nations. In the beginning, we saw that God is cursing the nations around, including Adam, Edom. And Edom and other nations are working against God. But here he says, a day will come, all the nations will bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. Why? Because Acts 15 chapter quotes this verse. James, when he was giving the final judgment in Jerusalem council, he quotes not from Isaiah, but from Amos. Exactly, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, he says, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. What Paul and Barnabas says is right. The all Gentiles who bear my name, that's what God said. Now, it is not only for Judah, not only for Jews, all the Gentiles will bear my name. So, we need to give approval to Barnabas and Paul to do the good work, work among the Gentiles. That is mission. That, me that message has come from Amos as a prophet, even today. This is a, a challenge I want to give you. The third question is very important question. How much are we anxious about the restoration of God to the nations? I'm sure that along with me, you're also anxious to see that God's judgment comes upon the people who are doing things. More than aware of the sins and more than thinking of God's judgment, we need to really pray and we need to be anxious to see that God's restoration of nations to come back to the living Savior and know Jesus is that Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the lovely book of Amos. As uh, we read about the evil things uh, done against God's people and judgment uh, was pronounced against these people. Midst of all these things, they could see that there's a light, there's a bright hope, and there's a big message for all of us to take, make note of it. Lord, we pray that you help each one of us to be like Amos, take the message clearly, so that the future is not going to be bleak for us. Future is going to be bright as equal to the promises of God. Guide us and lead us and give us good night rest 
and help us to continue the study from the book of Amos in the next three days. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.